0: It's a family foul.
1: Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners to another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Happy Victory Monday to you. we got a special show today. Myself and Pewter Report's Mark Cook are joined by the one and only Jake Arians, here to talk some Bucks football. You might know him best as son of Super Bowl winning coach Bruce Arians. Jake, how are you?
0: Fantastic, guys. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, it was fun having you on last time, and uh, I think the Bucks were right in the middle of, of trying to get into the playoffs right around the bye week, and uh, that's 7-5. and five. Boy, all of a sudden, that bye week created some tonic for these guys because they went undefeated down the stretch, winning the last four games of the regular season and all four of their postseason games, including a moment, Jake, that you will never forget at Raymond James Stadium of all places, Super Bowl 55. First of all, what was that moment like for you to to see this through, uh, a, a Buccaneer fans perspective, maybe the ultimate Buccaneer fan, since your dad is, is the head coach of the team, but then also from an Arians perspective, knowing how hard your dad has worked and how long to get to this moment.
0: Uh, that embrace was pretty special. I didn't really hit me until my mom, my dad, my sister and I on the field confetti coming down. You'd picture that so many times. What would that be like? I remember rationally looking around going, so this is what it's like. This is pretty <laughs> badass. Um, But that, I mean, he's covered in Gatorade. He's soaking wet. That embrace was, you know, my mom, 19 moves. They're married 50 years this summer. wow. Um, My sister would have went to four high schools in four years. I got pretty lucky the way that I grew up, uh, especially being around it a lot. But elementary school, one place, middle school, one place, high school, one place. But it's still being a coach's kid. And while it doesn't necessarily affect my life, how we do on Sundays, it's still ingrained in who you are, win or loss, it's a tough day. And at the point you were talking about going in the bye week, it wasn't just get to the bye week. It was keep your heads above water at that point and right. reeling a little bit. And the bye week is really late. I mean, we talked about it. Week yeah. 13 could be a blessing or it could be a struggle to get there. It was a struggle to get in that. And then they got fresh. They got rejuvenated. did a little self scout and they, they changed. They didn't change a lot. They just came out and, and executed a little better. But it didn't start good, right? Like the first half of that Atlanta game, you come out of halftime and then Tom yeah. just goes nuts for the rest of the season. And just uh, yeah. to end up in a Super Bowl. Victory at and at home part was so special. I've been to a bunch, and the ones my dad have been to before, everybody's in a hotel. Mm -hmm. Now you got COVID, you got the home, you know, their house, everybody wants to come there, but you can't do that. And now you got four or five different hotels. It was uh, logistically a nightmare that ended up pretty awesome and a really fun party later on.
1: Okay, so the question everybody wants to know, and we have you to to really give us the inside scoop here. I'm a crown man myself, so I, I can certainly relate to your dad. With with the Super Bowl obviously being at night, did he have a pregame crown before the Super no, Bowl? or he didn't. No. So he waited till a after. A bunch of postgame crowns. <laughs> <So> <laughs>
0: there's a bunch right. of celebratory, but no no pregame.
1: Gotcha. Well, you know, here at Peter Reports, and and uh, if you're just joining us, Jake Arians is here to talk some Bucks football for at least the next forty minutes or so, and we we invite you to have your comments and questions uh, in our chat. Um, and and I like crown myself, just like your dad, but. This is the Peter Report Podcast, and so uh, if you don't know by now, we are sponsored by Celsius. I had two Celsius today, so I'm raring to go. Both (laughs) grape, driving six hours from Destin, Florida, after a Mother's Day weekend to get here for the show. So uh, here we go with some Celsius. Peter, Report Podcast, Energized by Celsius. Mark, I don't even have any cans to show you. You, you got the, the Celsius got the shirt, shirt on.
2: on. Yeah, I got I drink. do you, what do you yeah. got? Doubles. I got sparkling grapefruit and, uh, okay. and orange. I got one yeah. of each.
1: Like I said, I had two, one for each hand, and I, I downed those Celsius for a six-hour drive today, and uh, it works. The great thing about Celsius, if you haven't tried it, is you get all the energy of those energy drinks without the, the sugar crash. Right? There's no... There's no crash a couple hours later. Why? Because there's no sugar in it, just pure energy. And that's the great thing about it. And if you want to find out where to get Celsius to try it, well, go on to Celsius.com, click on the store locator, type in your address, and all these different stores will pop up around where you live, hopefully. We've got convenience stores, health and fitness stores, some of the big chain stores like Target and Walmart, and and then try it. And once you find the flavor or flavors that you like, then go to PeterReports.com, click on the Celsius banners. They'll take you to Amazon where you can buy them in bulk and save a lot of money.
2: Scott, I got a quick thing about Celsius. I got a message on Instagram today from somebody who said they live in Germany and they've been trying to find Celsius, but it's been impossible. (laughs) However, they walked into the gas station on the Army base today. Guess what Uh, they found on the shelf? Celsius. Celsius. I never would have tried it unless I heard the ads on the podcast at pewterreport.com. So we appreciate this, young man. This is Krusty underscore Pete. Underscore ukulele. Thanks, that's man. Awesome. Appreciate it.
1: Yep. We've, we've got greetings from Berlin, Germany here from Duke of Dice. So Jake you got fans all over, man. That's that's the cool I don't thing. Know about, about me, but you
0: gotta love the NFL, man. Going to that game in London a couple of years ago. Yeah. My wife and I played a game. It was like, we got see how long it takes us to get every home and away jersey of all 32 teams. You knew you were gonna see them all, right? <laughs> right. Represented. Right. Not only we you get home and away, we got home away color rush. Right. All, uniform, all of them like before before kickoff for all thirty two teams. It was wild.
2: Scott and I were in the in the press box. And by the way, what a beautiful stadium it was there. open air Happy. press box. Yeah. each each seat had its own little television monitor so we could watch it as well. But but Scott and I looked around and we were just amazed, as you were mentioning, the different teams it wasn't buccaneers and carolina jerseys there were plenty of those don't get me wrong but they were patriots jerseys they were eagle jerseys they were bingles well maybe not bingles but you understand There were what I'm i walked out of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's crazy
0: yeah the support over there is unbelievable i mean we met people from amsterdam berlin i mean giant giant bucks fans from all over yeah. europe and the yeah. support there was was it was amazing i, I don't think it's going to be long before jacksonville or whoever it is is actually in london it's going to be
1: really interesting for the, the time change and the travel. You know, I think that's, that's the one thing that, that, uh, that, that, really, I think teams would object to is, is scheduling the, the trip there. Listen, it's one thing to go from Tampa Bay to Seattle, right? That's, that's about as far as you can get here in the United States for the Buccaneers to have to travel to. Uh, it's even longer from Miami to go to Seattle, but you're talking about across the pond and the time change and all that. that's, you know, I I think you're right. I, I think there will be a, one day there'll be a franchise in London. It very well might be the Jacksonville Jaguars, but um, I I think that's that's my biggest thing. But you know what? Uh, I loved everything about that trip except for the game. You know, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> the, the game was god awful. It was absolutely from hilarious. from the first play on. It was awful. But you know what? Uh, the, the Super Bowl uh, was was awesome. And I I got to admit, I, I really I, I thought that this team could make a push. For the Super Bowl, I should not even say push a real play for the Super Bowl in 2021. Uh, this this team's beat my expectations by a full year. I just thought it would take a little bit more time to get Brady, you know, acclimated to this offense for the young defense without the preseason, right? When, and and that's so important, Jake, and you know this uh, being in the NFL for so long that that the second year. The the preseason for guys like Sean Murphy Bunting and Devin White and Jamel Dean and Mike Edwards, those second year guys were robbed of that. Hell, Anthony Nelson hasn't even played in a preseason game yet. He's been on the team. This is his third year. And so I just thought it would would not be 2020. I thought it'd be 2021. But lo and behold, after the bye week, this team actually, like you said, in the second half of that Atlanta game is really where they caught fire because – I I was watching the first game of that Atlanta game and I thought, this is ridiculous. This team down 17 0 to the lowly Falcons on the road. Come on,
0: you know. But, you know, football 60 minutes, man. It wasn't just the preseason, right? It was the entire offseason. I mean, Brady's got those guys down there at the high school practicing, but there's no coaching going on. And he needed coaching as much as anybody. Like, he can coach guys when I like this route and we get our timing, but he didn't really know the nuances of what they were trying to do to later in the season. I think, you know, the best part about this team I said all year was, my dad told me a long time ago, really good teams can play bad but step on the gas when they need to. But right. very few teams have the ability to do it. And so We showed it throughout the first 13 games going into the bye week at times. We didn't play a complete game, but when we need to step on the gas, we did. When you yeah. close people out, we did. So when their backs are against the wall in and, and that game coming out of the bye week in Atlanta down 17 nothing, you put up, what, 31 in the second half, rated yeah. those for 300-plus it was almost like they needed that to go. And then it just, you get hot. Yeah. You get hot. You got healthy at the right time. You never had any continuity on that offense for the first 10, 11 weeks. Mike's hurt. Right. Chris is hurt. They're both hurt. Scotty's hurt. You're plugging and playing. Then you add AB and you got to get his legs under him. It was, I agree with you. I said all year, whatever we do this year is a bonus. I think we're 20, 25% better in 21. I know. <laughs> because we have an off-season and a preseason, right? And people yeah. are like, no. Yeah. You and just and Jake, saw us play
1: our best game in the Super yeah. Bowl. And, Jake, the confidence of of playing really good,
0: good enough to win the Super Bowl, and knowing that you haven't played your best yet, right? That's that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, they just played that game. It was really the yeah. only complete game they played all year, right. the only dominant four quarters that they played, and they were getting better. Yeah. Right? You could see it in the playoffs. They're getting better, mm-hmm. stuff, more stuff starting to click. Then you return everybody. I mean, the job that Jason Light, Mike Greenberg, and Jackie Davidson did this offseason, mm-hmm. the last last offseason unprecedented, bringing in, Brady and Gronk and and the stuff that they did, but they re-signed their own guys. And going into that was my dad said, hey, we're going to re-sign these defensive guys and we'll Mm -hmm. we'll figure out this quarterback thing. They figured that out with Tom Brady. (laughs) But this year with the cap coming down with COVID and everything and still being able to bring back all 22 starters, Blaine Gabbert, all the important backups, the depth on that defensive line because it's a bad defensive line draft. It's just unbelievable to take that team from the Super Bowl, return everybody with that much confidence. Now give them an offseason. And it's just a matter of staying healthy at this point. Staying healthy and
1: get hot again. I'm glad you mentioned Blaine Gabbard because I'm kind of a bit of a Blaine Gabbard fan. And I don't even know why I'm a Blaine Gabbard fan. Okay. But, you know, he was kind of like the last guy to re-sign. I mean, hell, Steve McClendon, you know, and Ryan Griffin got signed before Blaine. But you've been around your dad. Uh, He is the quarterback whisperer. And uh, we had Jason Light on the podcast after winning the Super Bowl. And he was like espousing love for Blaine Gabbard and just marveling at his arm strength and how he just, you know, rifles the ball around the the field in practice. And now that he knows this offense inside and out after two years here, one year in Arizona, he's so comfortable in it. The thing is, the fans really haven't had a chance to see Blaine Gabbard because in 2019, he hurt the shoulder in the preseason. He's out. And there was no preseason this year. He played remarkably well against the Lions in the second half. But, I mean, it's the Lions, and there was a huge lead. But what have, what have you seen from Blaine Gabbert that that makes, you know, Bruce and 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 Jason excited about this guy? And, you know, maybe he's the heir apparent. Maybe it's Kyle Trask. Maybe it's somebody else who's not on the roster yet. But
0: what are your thoughts on Blaine
1: Gabbert since he's the latest? I, I love Blaine. Son?
0: I mean, I like to trust what I see when it comes to quarterbacks, mm-hmm. but I damn sure trust what I hear from the guys I, that I, I'm around. That's mm-hmm. my dad and, and Byron and Clyde and Tom Moore. Right. Now well, listen to that. Blaine was the tenth overall pick in the draft for a reason. He's got all the tools in the world. I believe he had eight offensive coordinators and seven head coaches in his first seven years in the league. That's enough to ruin somebody, isn't it? You, yeah, you show me a first round pick that <laughs> succeeds with that. Right. Now he still has all those tools. He's been around, he's smarter, been in a bunch of offenses, but he's now been in this one for four or five years. I think mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing. He gets the the nuances of the offense and having and him and Brady have a great relationship. So having a guy you can lean on that's not necessarily Byron or Clyde. Yeah. A guy that's taking snaps behind you. What did you see when we did this? Mm-hmm. It changes the dynamic. And and Trask, I like. We'll get. I'm sure we'll get into talking about that. He's not ready to be that guy yet, and we right. don't want to throw him into that role yet. If, yeah. if something happens, to Tom, God forbid. Yeah. Blaine showed last year when he played. We can win. We can, this team can win games. with Blaine Gabbert playing. Yeah. Uh, playing. It's another thing. You first round quarterback that has all that adversity, mm-hmm. and you're kind of a forgotten guy, and you get a bad reputation, and, and a lot of fans forget that you were the 10th overall pick.
1: Yeah. Well, it it just it reminds me too. And, and Mark, maybe you'll agree with me on this. When, when the Bucs first won the Super Bowl back in 2002, you had Brad Johnson, who was in his mid-30s, Rich Gannon, who was in their late 30s. And if you're a quarterback and you really haven't sustained injuries, uh, there's, you know, you look at Tom. I mean, Tom's maybe the exception, right? But even Drew Brees played to 40, um, Peyton Manning. The, 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 I think you're seeing quarterbacks with the ability to play longer as, as health and science and diet, you know, begin to, to take hold in some of these athletes. And, and who knows, Blaine, he may not be anything, right, other than just a career backup. But the fact that he's, what, 31 now, 32, and really hasn't played in the last couple of years, probably still has a lot of miles left in the tires.
0: I hope he doesn't have to, but I'm damn glad he's on this team in case we have to put somebody in there because I still think we have a chance to sustain whatever that injury would be and still win a lot of games. I mean, I'd love – I wish John was on the show when I say this because I don't give a damn what your (laughs) your quarterback runs the 40 in. Quarterback position still played between the years. And all the guys you just mentioned are playing into their 40s and later in their career because they're still playing at pre-snap. Right. They still know what you do before you do Mm -hmm. it and better than you do it, and they know where they're going with the ball. Right. The skills can diminish a little bit at that point. I mean, Mm -hmm. Drew Brees had nothing left. He was still getting it done at a pretty damn high level uh, even last year. I mean, you could tell the arm wasn't there. Yeah. But the brain hadn't gone anywhere. He still was mm-hmm. killing you pre snap. He knew where he was going with the ball, and until a quarterback that's a dual threat guy or running quarterback wins a Super Bowl, which has never happened, right? I'm not changing my tune on who I want playing quarterback, and that's a pocket guy that plays it between the ears first before we even get into a skill set. Mm-hmm. Do you think there was that? You know, let me just
1: follow up on that point real quick, Mark. Do you think that that the the ability for some of these guys to take off and and run and you know maybe not rush for 100 yards a game. But but scramble, get outside the pocket and run for that 10 yards rather than than wait and, and hang in there and, and get that that third or fourth read that gets you the first down through the air. The Kyler Murray's the Lamar Jacksons, even the Patrick Mahomes to a degree. Do you think that that that, that the ability to run kind of uh I don't want to say regresses, but maybe holds back their ability to become even more of a prolific passer? I mean, I think Patrick Mahomes is already there, but you see the struggles of Lamar Jackson. We saw Kyler Murray make a Pro Bowl. I don't know why, outside of a hail mary that was highly publicized on ESPN.
0: Yeah, but, but does that make sense? What I'm saying? Absolutely. The first two guys you mentioned, Lamar can throw. Coming out of Bobby Petrino's offense at Louisville, it's a very pro style offense. You know mm-hmm. he can throw. Yeah, they haven't really asked him to do that. They haven't built. It'll be really interesting to see what the Ravens do this year. Now they added some outside threats. So you yeah. got to get be better throwing outside the numbers. Kyler can throw, but can he read a defense and can he pre-snap figure out what's going on? That I don't. I don't know. The rest of the guys you're talking about, Aaron Rodgers and, and Patrick Mahomes don't run anything less than a four nine, right? How often do you see Aaron Rodgers run for eight yards, stick his arm out, get the first down right past the marker, get out of bounds and not get hit? Right. You have to be able to do that, right? Yeah. You can't be completely immobile. They talk. They talk about Tom can't run. No, Tom can't run, but Tom moves within the po- the nuance of the pocket. Right. Yeah, three maybe-
1: rushing touchdowns. Damn it.
0: Did well, not one of the greatest quarterback sneakers of all time? Right. <laughs> right the, the little the little things of moving inside the pocket, stepping up in the pocket. He's as good as anybody that's ever done it. Now he's not going to mm-hmm. take off and get you that first down. That I do like. I love yeah. the ability to be mobile, right? But not dual threat. When you're running the read option and the quarterback has to be, I get why you want to do that. I get that there's been parts of it in the NFL. But as soon as somebody comes and does it and has success, you give defense coordinators an off and it goes away. Show me mm-hmm. anybody that's done it two years in a row with success, other than Lamar, who is beyond special. I played with Michael yeah. Vick. I watched him come in the league his rookie mm-hmm. year and do things in practice nobody had ever seen. Yeah. And eventually he got caught, and he broke mm-hmm. an ankle against the Ravens, and he wasn't quite the same guy. And I think, right. to your point, yes, it can hinder their development a little bit of playing from the pocket. And when you say play from the pocket, you're really talking about playing under center from the shotgun before the snap ever goes off. Yes. You know you're staying in the pocket, but you know what they're doing
2: and, and where you're going with the ball. That's the biggest thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I agree. Mark. Yeah. I was just going to say earlier, Scott was mentioning talking about some of those quarterbacks as they got older, you know, had success. A Brad Johnson, a guy that uh guy that I watched a game of the other day. Uh, I like to go back and watch old, Uh, games from the 70s and 80s. And uh, Jim Plunkett was a guy that was a a Blaine Gabbard, essentially, a guy that, you know, bounced around, was kind of a bust. Uh, I believe it was Houston traded him to Oakland. Uh, or somewhere along there, but he ended up in Oakland the last couple of years with Tom Flores and wins that Super Bowl in 1980 uh, against Ron Jaworski, who was up there in age as well at that time too. But Jim Plunkett was guy probably before your time, Jake. But I'm sure your dad would remember I, I him. Go back with all those
0: guys. I'm a I'm yeah. an NFL historian. I mean, you go back to talking about Rich Gannon is a yeah. perfect example of a guy yeah. who's getting older but still athletic enough to move around. Right? But
2: but did it like it's you said it when it breaks down,
0: right? But Rich was yeah. smart as hell, knew what was going on, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, guys. And, and and look, you you Patrick Mahomes is that guy that can run, that can throw as well and does have a Super Bowl win. Russell Wilson is another guy. Um, you know, but 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 both of those guys are as cerebral as they are athletic, right? I mean, Russell Wilson is as smart as a whip. Same thing with Patrick Mahomes. They understand things. And Patrick Mahomes, the scary thing is he's going to become that Tom Brady from the shoulders up eventually. You know, as his athleticism diminishes, because he's not going to be able to do those things at age 43 that he's doing today if he does decide to play that long. Yeah, Pat's, but, Pat's not I, even a super athlete, but if you want to go really far back, the only guy to have a ton of success, who's kind of Patrick
0: Mahomes-esque then was Fran Tarkington. Yeah, yeah. Ran all over the place. But he ran all over yeah. the place to throw more than to run. He would just take right. off running when it broke down. Well, he was also, he, completely he, like 60
1: different ball, he, he, he completely different
0: defensive schemes and completely different defensive athletes on the field at the same time, right? Yeah. Be, he also never won a Super Bowl. Now. Are, are insane. I mean, the guys that are playing defense, Devin White's of the world that are running 4-4. Yeah, The game has changed tremendously on defense with type of athletes and speed that you have over
1: there. Sure. Well, let's, let's transition to, into the draft now. And we'll, we were talking about defense and we'll get to Joe Tryon in a second, but let's talk about Kyle Trask since we've talked about the quarterback position here. This was a guy that that when I'm looking at your dad and the type of a pocket passer that he likes, and I've read, the book, The Quarterback Whisper, which is a great resource of information on on not just your dad and his history, but his thought process, what goes into the quarterbacks he looks for. And and, and I, I looked at this and I said, there's really only uh, two or three guys maybe past the, the five guys that you were not going to have a chance at getting unless you traded up for, for one of those guys. But Kyle Trask kind of stuck out like a sore thumb reminded me a little bit of brad johnson from from my watching him in 2001 and two and three here in tampa and and then maybe kellen Mond to a degree because he's a pocket passer but more trask maybe davis mills and the other guy and this is just more of like a developmental guys Felipe franks but i mean that's that's a if you don't get any of these quarterbacks you just want to take one and maybe you get a, a little bit of a shot in the dark and you develop a Sixth or seventh round pick into something, maybe he's the guy. But we had Trask as a Buck's best bet at quarterback because it just seemed like out of the out of all the guys that were going to be available when Tampa Bay was picking, at least at 32 and beyond, he would be the right fit.
0: Made the most sense, right? I mean, Davis Mills was in play, but you have a limited starts. Reminded a lot of all of all of us of a lot of Andrew Luck, throwing motion, big time mm-hmm. arm, big time five star kid, smart. Mm-hmm. Injury history, didn't yep. know that knee. Limited starts, and you love him coming out of David Shaw. I mean, you know he's well-coached. He's under center yeah. a ton. Uh, but the relationship Dad has with, with Dan Mullen and Dan's history with quarterbacks as well mattered. Mm-hmm. And people get immediately into the arm strength with with Trask, which we'll address in a second. But if you hear Dad describe a quarterback, the first thing you hear is tough and smart. Yeah. And hey, this kid's yeah. tough as hell, smart as hell, The over, overcoming adversity, staying there through all the things he'd been through. By the way, have you break the passing records at Florida? Yeah. You're pretty damn good. Right? You get three Heisman Trophy quarterbacks that have that have played there before you, and the Steve Spurrier, Danny Werfel offense was the greatest, one of the greatest in college football history. To shatter all of those records, he he played his tail off. I mean, I you I can get into all that stuff. By the way, if we if he, if he's wearing anything other than what you're showing right now, and that's a Florida Gator uniform, I think this fan base it's a unanimous jump for joy. Right. You go back to the Jameis Florida State. He's now Florida, half the fan base of Florida State, half. The, if he was playing, if that's a South Carolina uniform and he plays the Florida game the way he played against them last year, yeah, this is an overwhelming successful draft pick. The Florida thing throws a really weird wrinkle into the mix here, uh, in my opinion, knowing this fan base to have like, gotten to know it. I think that matters when you're talking about people that now want to question it. But the big yeah. thing with arm strength was he showed it off at his pro day. Mm-hmm. He throws with a lot of touch because he throws with a ton of accuracy. The pro yeah. day showed – the arm strength is there if he needs to reach down and grab it. He just doesn't have to all the time. Right. Well, well and, J- J- there's even, a-
1: even Mark Cook, who's a Florida State
2: fan, yeah. wrote yeah. a,
1: a column.
2: Go ahead, Mark. I was just going to say. I mean, nobody, nobody loves Florida State watching or listening to this right now any more than I do. Um, and and I and I wrote about it, and I, I actually said it on the radio with six twenty this morning. Look, I used to. I watched every game Tratz played because I hope the Gators lost. Scott can relate to this. Is that he? Yeah. He loves to watch Kansas lose as much as he loves to watch Kansas State win. I'm the That's same right. way in every game. Minus that Oklahoma game, which I don't count because most of his weapons were gone in that game. And I don't think anybody in that Gator team wanted to be uh, in that bowl game particularly. But every game I watched of Kyle Trask, I just shook my head. I came away impressed. Even in games that they lost. You look at that Alabama game. Alabama. 408 yards. Amazing. Three yeah. touchdowns. I mean, he almost willed that team to win. Now, people say, well, he had a ton of weapons. But that's okay. He utilized those weapons and he made the right decisions. I think Nick Saban would tell you his arm is just fine. I think Nick Saban would say his mobility is just fine. I think Nick Saban would say his uh, his smarts upstairs is just fine. I I, I you know I, I'm one of those people, and I, I I think I think you're being a little hard on Buccaneer fans that are Gator Seminole fans, Jake. Just and there were there is a, a, a some that are going to hate Kyle Trask because he's a Gator, and there were plenty that are going to hate, that hated Jameis Winston because it was Seminole. I will say this, there's more Gator fans in the Tampa Bay area than there are Seminole fans, but there is a little bit of a disadvantage there, but most Buccaneer fans, and this goes back to the days when Warren Sapp was drafted here. Derek Brooks was drafted here. Jacques Green was drafted here. Reed L. Anthony was drafted here. There was a time when Rich McKay brought in a lot of Florida guys from yeah. Florida schools um, because they wanted to the I mean, they were good football players. Don't get me wrong, but you know, they, they, that was a, a business decision probably to a degree as well and yeah, uh, just not to not to the Saps fans Brooks. And sell tickets right but um mm-hmm. but but i think most buccaneer fans will accept them if they perform well the thing that got me with the criticism about trash that really blew my mind was the people who all of a sudden your dad who's the quarterback whisper doesn't know anything about quarterbacks all of a sudden Byron <laughs> Lefwich who played in the league for years doesn't know anything about quarterbacks mm-hmm. Tom Moore who's been in the league since God the man the man knows quarterbacks. If he signs off on Kyle Trask, who in the hell are we to say Kyle Trask, Kyle Trask can't be successful? Now, they don't know. They've made mistakes. Your dad's made mistakes in valuation. Tom Moore's made mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. But I'm going to give your dad and that staff the benefit of the doubt with a guy like Kyle Trask yeah. because of the fact that this is kind of what they do for a living. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any hate because of the
0: Florida thing, but just it adds a weird dynamic when you're talking about where you took him. Becomes now, polarizing. Took him at, at 64. Yeah, the guy with a very high floor. Now the ceiling might not have been Davis Mills, maybe not. We can mm-hmm. argue that, but he's got a very high floor. When you're talking about smart, tough, fits in personality-wise, goes right in the locker room, right in that quarterback room, learns from those guys. And you've got, by the way, Clyde Christensen. We can't forget to throw into That's that right. right. That's one of the quarterbacks he's, he's worked yeah. with, right? <laughs> that all five of those guys were like, no, yes, we love him. And we took him at 64. There's very low risk here. Now, if we yep. took him at 32, we moved up to 20. Now we can have sort of having a conversation of where he fits, but at 64, when he's yep. way higher than that on your board, his overall prospects go, and you don't have a lot of needs on this team. Mm-hmm. I, I love the pick. He's uh, man, essentially a third round pick.
2: In. Yeah, that's he it. He's a third round
0: pick. He's yeah. a
2: third round and, pick.
0: Now that, that's a great
1: point, Mark. And, and Jake, that's the thing too. And we've, we've covered this team for over two decades. When, when you're talking about the typical Buccaneer fan and you say second round, they're thinking the first pick of the second round, the fifth pick of the second round, they're thinking of, of somebody that that really carries a high second round grade, not uh, what is is essentially by the time you get to 64, you're drafting a third round talent. And I think if you had just said, Hey, Kowchaska is a third round pick. Okay, no problem. But I just think psychologically, for Buccaneer yeah. fans to wrap their mind around a second round pick, but Bucks, fans, right. this is a different second round pick. Yeah. This is number 64, the end of the line in the second round.
0: And hey, so hey, listen, there's two other things with Trash that I want to point out is he was throwing to Pitts and he's throwing to Tony. The answer is so you're telling me he can throw to NFL talent. Right. Okay. Right. I don't put a whole lot of stock in that. So did yeah. Mac Jones, so did Tua. You're telling me you could throw to guys at the next level at that speed and that that ability to move. The other one is if you want to put you wanna see how good he is. Take all those Georgia defensive guys that just got drafted, all those Alabama guys that just got drafted, put those two tapes on mm-hmm. and watch those two games and pretend he's playing in a different uniform from Florida. You'll see all that you need to know that the kid can play mm-hmm. and that he yeah. doesn't have to play now. Right. Hell, the way Tom's going, he might be on <laughs> a second contract <laughs> before he's the starting quarterback of the Bucs. Right. I mean, that's, it was, to me,
2: it was a great addition to the team as another value piece. The, the, he just didn't need a lot more in his draft. The, the, the only argument that I will make for the antitrust crowd, the only valid point I think that some of them have made is they drafted a guy that you hope doesn't see the field in the next couple years, right? The, and they felt maybe there was a guy at the end of the second round that could come in that would have been on the field. Not maybe a starter. I don't know. I'm just saying a defensive lineman, uh, another pass Terrible rusher. defensive line draft. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I agree with all of those things. I'm just saying if, if somebody's going to make – they can make a point if they want to make that point. But to say that Kyle Trask isn't an NFL quarterback um, is just foolish when, again, your dad said it best. He said, we don't draft quarterbacks to run. We draft quarterbacks to throw. And Kyle Trask can make every throw required in our offense. And I'm going to trust Byron and Clyde and Tom and your dad on that situation, even if he is a Gator.
1: All right, Jake, playing devil's advocate. We, I've seen that there was a, a post in here too, okay? Um, and, and and this this is kind of an argument that I made when John Gruden, who's kind of considered to be a little bit of a quarterback guru himself, not, not a young developer of quarterback talent. He's much better with the older guys, the Brad Johnsons, the Jeff Garcias, uh, the, the Brian Grease, he's the guys that already know how to play the game and that can understand all the verbiage that he wants to, to spit at him. But, you know, one of his first draft picks out in Oakland was, was uh, uh, Marcus Tuyasasopo, who, you know, uh, Kansas State played against Washington in the bowl game. And he basically was, was, was like a Ron Paulus, um, you know, type of quarterback, a run-throw cool. guy. Yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, he wasn't even nearly as as polished or as prolific as Tua, um, and so your dad drafted Logan Thomas. Now, there might have been Virginia Tech thing going on there. I don't know, but but you know, <laughs> Logan Logan Thomas didn't make it as a quarterback, and he's transitioned to, to to tight end. So, is that one of those where it just just didn't work out? It wasn't the right evaluation. You know, you you were there in Arizona. What? What was the Logan
0: Thomas situation like? I believe he was a fourth or fifth round pick. I think he was in the fourth round. Yeah, so day you're not three. Yeah. on a really solid team again. So you're you're not taking um, a guy you expect to play there. And Logan didn't really buy into moving to tight end for a while. We're talking a guy 255, super mm-hmm. athlete, familiar with his high school background, playing basketball. Yeah. So was he drafted to play tight end? No, I was drafted to kind of be a developmental quarterback and see okay. if he could really get it. See if he could get it. He's but, turned but, into a really good tight end. Yeah, yeah. He's that kind of athlete. But as a fourth round pick. Say he does what Tebow should have done a long time ago, and that's go to tight end, be a special teams guy. You're adding right. a guy that's 6'5", 255, that can run, that if he decided he wanted to do that early in his career, could have been a really physical freak and help you on special mm-hmm. teams as a fourth-round pick. When they took him in Arizona, I believe we just went 13-3 and three, or there was the 11-5, and five season. that team was loaded. It was a lot like this. Yeah. You don't have a lot of holes going into that draft. Um, so you have the luxury of taking a guy like that. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like Trask here, but much, much more polished quarterback uh, in this case. Yeah, Uh, we have a
1: question from John Ledyard, who's watching at home. Jake, if they have a full offseason, do you think Trask can or should beat out Gabbard for QB2
0: this year? I don't think he can, and I don't think he should either way this this year. Another year, a full year. I mean, you're hoping, Okay, we took him at the 64th pick. I hope he can sit behind Blaine because Blaine knows his offense better than Tom does, right? So. Him sitting in that room and getting that full dynamic with Clyde and Byron and Tom and and Ba when he's down there, it's a lot of voices to learn from. You're going to get yep. a decent amount of reps, but not a ton because Tom takes a lot of reps. Mm-hmm. Blaine's going to take the rest. If we have a full training camp, it's a preseason game that'll help. I think it's a it's a year from now. You're hoping that he can then be the two because you took him there and you, he slots into that. And when Tom's done, you, you can right. push. It's a great question. Yeah. I don't think he should, and I don't think he can. At this point, I don't think think he can push Blaine as well as he knows the offense at this point. Skill set wise. I mean, you guys you guys have been on the field watching Blaine throw. He can. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. Uh, I don't know that he's going to look better in practice for a while. Yeah. Uh, Also,
1: I wanted to get some some insight from you about, uh, you know, you're 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 you're, your dad's son and you're also a fan. You know, you're not employed by the team. Right. So (laughs) your your opinions are independent. And sometimes yeah. they might, might even go against the grain of, of what your dad says or thinks. And if you you're watching dial-
0: game with me. They do a lot.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Now? What are you doing? Um, but let me ask you though, when it comes to to the draft process, how dialed in are you into the process? Does your dad do a lot of, of scouting and evaluation? Does he does he run some some players by you, bounce some things off? Or are you, I guess, how much of of, of uh, how much are you in the dark when it comes to some of these, these guys that the Bucks are targeting? And then how much are you really down into?
0: Uh, we'll call it in the shadows more than in the dark. But yeah, okay. we, we talk about all of these guys. Uh, mm-hmm. He watches a ton of film. He watches a ton of prospects changes year to year, right? He's not going to necessarily watch a ton of receivers this year, even though they they were looking for little guys that could be punt returners and and they'd love Darden early in the process, Mm -hmm. Uh, but watches a ton. I watch a ton of college football. Our show is on the draft network, so I get to watch and talk to all those guys about different prospects, how they fit. I've been doing this a long time. I've been with him in locker rooms for 43 years. right? Uh, We see things very similarly. Mm -hmm. There's a player that I'll I'll bring up a lot of guys asking questions. Oh yeah, I watched him last week. Nah. I mean, it's amazing how fast he can Throw one out. I'm like, okay. I watched one game. I didn't watch the film, but I watched him live, right? Right. And he's like, no, I watched him last week. You can't do this. Can't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, he watches a ton. Of, he's a phenomenal evaluator of of the NFL game mm-hmm. and what fits with what they want to do. What Todd wants to do on defense. What he and Byron want to do on offense. Uh, if a guy can play in the league, period. Right. And he's a big, big guy. On show me what the film says, not what the combine numbers say. Right. Uh, he could throw a lot of that stuff out. A lot of pro days, actually. But we can't yeah. talk about a guy like Kyle. They needed to show some arm strength in his pro day and did. Mm-hmm. You take that in consideration. And the guy, like Joe Tryon, who had a phenomenal pro day, showed his athleticism yeah. for the guy that you're hoping could play special teams and develop into a big-time pass rusher.
1: Yeah. So let's let's go to Joe Tryon for a second here. Um, if Joe Tryon was, was drafted, if he was off the board, okay, at number 32 and not an option, who would you have taken? If you're the oh. general manager of the Buccaneers, who, who were some of your favorites – and, w- and whether your dad liked him or not, let, that's irrelevant. We're, as- we're asking you,
0: who would yes, you have I was, taken? I was hoping Travis Etienne was going to fall that far, okay? Because I wanted a guy that could help us win again the Super Bowl again next year, right? And I yeah. want a home run hitter who's right. on the field, returning kicks, third down, whatever it was. He could help us win now, regardless mm-hmm. of the package. Kadarius Tony was another one. Yeah, he fits that that mold of future receiver, develop, put some packages in, but as a kicker right. returner, helps us win now immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there was a run on outside linebacker, pass rushers at that point. I'm not a huge Barmore fan. Uh, Ozariki's okay. May have been, you know, a depth piece there in the defensive line. I probably would have still gone depth project player. Mm -hmm. But the defensive line guys are tough because they don't play special teams. The great thing with Triumph, you're talking about a guy six five, two sixty, 6'5", 260 and runs like that and wants to just go crack skulls. He's finally running down on kickoffs or being on the field on punt punt return. He's going to make you better you add size and speed to your team when you're young uh, and you want to play those positions, Mm -hmm. you get better. When you add a defensive line piece, you're not getting that same special teams thing. So I still would have gone somewhere along the lines of, even if he's a backup and a project player, Mm -hmm. he plays on teams immediately.
1: Well, and the thing too is I I like him better right off the bat than Anthony Nelson to come in and and put some heat on the quarterback. I I think Anthony's been slow to develop. And and I think part of that, again, is because – he hasn't had the preseason. It's not his fault. He got hurt in year one. Year two, it was COVID. There wasn't any preseason to be had. And and so he's he's had to try to get better in practice and then just a rep here or two, you know, in in in, in this quarter and a year a rep or two in that quarter. Uh it's kind of been a slow boat for him. But I, I like the athleticism that Joe Tryon has and some of those those testing measurements, you know, the, the seven, one, eight, three cone, the four, six, five, that shows up on film. I mean, he's a relentless dude. Yeah that has, you know, some initial bursts to get to the quarterback.
0: I mean, I think one thing you always see in my dad's draft picks are captains. You see a lot of guys that were captains on their team, guys that love ball. When we mm-hmm. talking about Joe, he just wants to be out there playing. He wants to practice. He You saw him on Twitter, a bunch of that stuff got, yeah, got popular again. We drafted him, talking about how good the front seven was. Right, He's right. throwing him in that defense. Now, the great thing we was going to play with, Todd Bowles will use him in packages. We mm-hmm. will have JPP, Shaq, Tryon. And, hell, you might have Vita being the one on the edge rushing. Right. That package in the Super Bowl was pretty impressive yes. with Vita sure. coming from the outside. Uh, and one of them might drop.
1: Mm-hmm. It might be
0: JPP dropping and getting more sacks. We had two sacks and dropped one and three at three-game stretch last year. Yeah. Um, that's the great thing. You will see him in packages. And it's just another guy you can bring in with a high motor. Right. You can. And the 17th game thing is really interesting. I've talked to my dad a little bit about this, but not mm-hmm. a ton. He doesn't think it changes that much. I kind of do. When you know your goal is not to make the playoffs for the Bucks, it's to win another Super Bowl. Right. You could take a guy, okay, through a two- or three-game stretch of well, got a tweaked ankle. Maybe mm-hmm. you don't play when you normally would play. J- JPP's going to play through anything. We know that. Right. Maybe you sit him, and mm-hmm. you get through a game where you think you could probably still win, and that helps a guy develop a little bit earlier in that 17th right. game. You, you get a little stretch there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I love the pick, and I know they loved him going into it, mm-hmm. and I was ecstatic when Baltimore didn't take him, I thought he was going to go to Baltimore right in front of us.
1: Yeah. And you were talking about ATN and Tony. And those are two guys, again, knowing your dad from reading the book, studying him. It's my job, right? It's our job to, to know your father's as best we can or at least think we do. But, you know, Travis ATN, Kadarius Tony, those are two guys in this offense that makes a lot of sense. I got to think that they're also, uh, you know, your dad was a fan of those guys, not just Jake Arians.
0: Yeah, no, he was. I mean, those those home run hitters with speed. Yeah. I mean, that's – that's an ETN can do everything, so that would have been phenomenal if he had fallen. Right. Tony would be the same thing Darden's going to be, but on a higher scale, right? Yeah. You've been returning kicks, and you fill in, but it's another really nice piece to be able to bring in if A.B. gets hurt or Godwin gets hurt in the slot. Scotty goes down, a guy that can move around and learn to play different positions. He was a little bit of a tweener. Mm-hmm. But he can learn a bunch of different stuff, and he can still help you with some different sub-packages. That's the great thing about having A-B back, is you still have that insurance policy of playing all three positions. Mm-hmm. And Tyler Johnson really came on last year. I mean, any receiver you're adding to that room better be pretty damn good if they ever plan on getting on, on the field at all. But right, those little guys, when we talk about Darden specifically, the ability to start and stop in the NFL is at, at that level mm-hmm. is unique. And Tony had it, Darden has it. Those, those guys don't really matter your size at that point if you can start yeah. and stop like that.
1: I think Scotty Miller is more of, of just like a full gas like accelerated down the field right where and and they both are are fast but I think Darden brings the, the intermediate quickness right the initial quickness
0: Scotty be- can go and stop and come back like a you know, 15 yes. yard comeback Darden yep. can start and stop in a in a bubble like right. you know you're talking about in a, in a 3 foot circle he can make guys miss that yep. that kind of start and stop is is unique in a in a very tight space so out of the guys, the, and,
1: and these are very similar kind of fast, undersized guys that your dad had in Arizona, the Ryan Swopes, the J.J. Nelson uh, from UAB, uh, yeah. uh, John Brown. Which which one of those three guys does Darden closely remind you of? If, if None ever, of those
0: guys because J.J. was a lot like Scotty. You could you go, just go right? Yeah. I mean, JJ's 200 meters midfield high school in Alabama was unbelievable. He won by like 12 yards. Like it wasn't, it wasn't even close. He was a 5A state champion. Yeah. Um, John Brown could start and stop, but it was more like run a 12 yard in and break it straight. He could run yeah. a comeback and start and stop. I mean, this little Darden to be able to catch, you know, a little slant and stop on a, and stop and people will fly and pass him. That's that's unique. That's, yeah. that's a differentiating factor when you're talking about a guy that doesn't mind going across the middle to do those kind of things. And maybe it's not this year. I mean, we're going to see a little bit of it here and there. But it also brings in, when you talk about punt returns, start, stop, move, like all the little joystick moves that go along right. with that. that. That's unique.
1: Well, I wanted to, you know, to, to ask you, too, about the running back position. Because you mentioned Travis Etienne. They didn't draft a running back this year. Um, one of the guys I liked, and and obviously I, I think you took the right prospect in Joe Tryon because I'm a big D-line guy and I always favor – winning the game in the trenches, right? If you look back at the Bucks Super Bowl win, it was dominated in the trenches, right? The, the Chiefs' offensive line wasn't good enough. Tampa Bay's line was really good. And then Tampa Bay's offensive line was just about impenetrable. And Kansas City's defensive line wasn't good enough, right? As much as it was about Mahomes and, and Brady, it was about Brady having a clean pocket to throw from and Mahomes being on the run the entire game running for his life that ended up being a huge difference in, in that, so when when you look at at uh, you know at, at the the defense and, and the, the trench play, I, I, I go with with Tryon in that situation. But I also like Javante Williams from North Carolina, and I was really happy that Atlanta didn't draft him because I was I was afraid that Javante Williams, who reminds me a lot of Kareem Hunt coming out of Toledo, in terms of what he can do with breaking tackles, just yeah. having that ability to shake tackles because you know that. It's it's not about the sixty yard touchdown run in the NFL because those are few and far between. It's it's about the six yard run, which is just as valuable getting into second and four. Um, as you're getting six when
0: you're supposed to get two, exactly. You're yes. Four. That's that's the difference. Exactly. Yeah, the difference what were your thoughts on Javante Williams? Loved him. Loved him in pass protection, especially. Didn't mind. Mm-hmm. Not do not mind sticking his face in there. He looks to deliver punishment when the guys are mm-hmm. coming in. He's picking up the blitz. Love that. He could do everything. Uh, it was a little weirded out by his pro day. He got a little lighter, thinking he was going to run four three five four four, mm-hmm. and a little bit lighter. Slighter still ran four five five when you're expecting to be two thirty 230, two thirty five, and he was down right. two fifteen two twenty whatever he was at his pro day. I uh, really like the player. Uh, I mean, at that point, I think Tryon they had him higher on the board that made more sense to me. Your, your running back room is fine. They still like Sneak Vaughn a lot. I mean, like yeah. the fans whatever when he got in last year, I think he overtried. He probably tried a little too hard. Rookie year is tough. You give him an off season. Uh, I love the addition of Giovanni Bernard. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love it. You're talking about a pro that's going to fit in the room, that does a little bit of everything. Uh, he's probably shady from five years ago, not the shady right. that we got last year. He was fitting the room great, but he couldn't really do a lot on the field at this point. Gio yeah. can do that. And then you got two guys that are going to be free agents. And you have two really number one backs in Rojo and Fournette. Fournette got better at pass catching late. yeah, um, But they're both going to be free agents. So I think if you took one at, at 32, that's the future. You want to really be a three-down guy. And then one of those two guys or both those guys don't resign. You still got Sneak that you drafted in the third. So, guy, yeah, you, you got to add a guy like Geo back. But running backs are – they're really kind of a dime a dozen. I hate to say that, but it's yeah. kind of become – you can get a really solid player that doesn't have to be a game-breaking freak or a couple of them that fit what you want to do and still be really successful – uh, so to take one there, I felt like you're kind of reaching. I agree with you. I was really glad Atlanta traded that pick because I yes. was like, man, they're adding Pitts and Javante Williams, and they Especially don't have Yeah, That scared me a little bit. So I was really yeah. glad they traded that pick as well.
1: Well, when you, when you look at, at at Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, right, and, and we know Gio's going to come in and take a lot of those third down reps that were Leonard's almost by default last year because, like you said, LaShawn McCoy just didn't have it anymore. Ronald Jones just couldn't catch it still, and and Leonard ended up being the better pass catcher and at at times the better pass protector. So he kind of won that job by default, but he's going to have few opportunities on third down with the addition of of Giovanni Bernard. So it's going to make those carries on first and second down uh, a real dogfight between those guys. How do you see this matchup going into training camp? Uh, Right now your dad says it's open. I believe him. It should be because Leonard Fournette was a different player, the better player in the postseason as playoff Lenny. And then you got a guy in Ronald Jones that had all the momentum until the broken pinky and the COVID. I mean, this guy was knocking on a 1,000 yards door and averaging five yards a carry, 98-yard run against Carolina. How do you handicap this this race here between Rojo and Leonard Fournette?
0: It's a good problem to have, but a tough one. I mean, are we getting playoff Lenny and Lombardi Lenny? Because that dude was different. Than yeah. the regular season, Lenny, like that dude was very different. That was special. He turned on another gear. He's running people over. It was home mm-hmm. that touchdown in green Bay and the touchdown, in the super bowl were just ridiculous. And you got a guy like Rojo who's really just starting to grow up and come into his own. He was young coming in the league, barely mm-hmm. 20 years old. Um, who's a home run hitting freak who can do everything. Part of the stuff with the drops last year were bad passes on Tom. I mean, let's be honest. They didn't have the greatest chemistry for a long time. Some were a little, a little too hot. And he had guys like James White and Kevin Falk his whole life. He could, mm-hmm. he could burn them up, throw it a little bit different. But Rojo and, and Lenny weren't those guys. Uh, Leonard Fournette was phenomenal in the playoffs. I, if I had to guess right now who's starting in week one, it's probably him depending on how the health of the, of the preseason. But, but, I mean, give or take. I mean, as good as Rojo looked in the preseason last year, I said he was going well over 1,000 yards. and would have if he didn't get hurt. Right. I don't know. I mean, the great thing is they both stay fresh. I think mm-hmm. they're both team players. They've, they've put a lot of that ego stuff aside. Now they're both playing for contracts, and Rojo's playing for that second contract. And Lenny kind of is too. Yeah. Uh so hopefully that can stay, you know, team first, and let's let's go win another Super Bowl. We'll all figure it out. We'll all we'll all make plenty of money. Uh, but I think they're gonna stay fresh. And I think the biggest thing is you don't see Geo dropping those passes on third down because he catches everything, picks up the blitz, he's a true right. pro, he's been there forever. And then where does Sneak fit in? I mean, I know that like I said this coaching <laughs> guy really likes him because does, does he get okay, some? But- Thing about that is that's a lot of reps, yeah, for guys to be able to get nicked up here and there, and you go back to that seventeen games. Mm-hmm. Can we can we take a little more time with a guy? Do we have to rush a guy back? Yeah, uh, you know, to get back and play.
1: What, what do you like about Sneak Vaughn, or, or more importantly, what is your dad and the coaching staff that you're hearing? What do they like about him? Because again, we saw some of the ball security issues. You know, he, he had a key touchdown right against against the Chargers early on in the season. That was that was part of the, the comeback. Seventeen points down in that game. And we saw him make some strides r- rushing the ball. I think it was against Chicago after the fumble, um, or maybe it was a different game. It was early in the season. But then really his his play kind of diminished as as the ball security issues became a thing. So what, what are they like yeah. behind the scenes about how he developed? Because, again, we didn't see this guy because of no preseason. And typically that is, you know he's the kind of player that would benefit from playing
0: virtually the entire fourth preseason game. I think it would have benefited him a ton. And this is me speaking, not, not my dad speaking. But mm-hmm. a lot of that, I think, was trying too hard, trying to make something else happen. I'm catching passes from Tom Brady, and I really want well, to catch this, and I'm going to go score. Mm-hmm. You'd, you'd have made a lot of those mistakes in preseason games that when you got in the NFL game, you'd already done it. Yeah. you could slow things down a little bit. I think by the time he got in, the game was still really fast. He was still trying too hard, and he kind of made mistakes he didn't normally make. But what they like about it is what they see in practice every single day. Smart guy, tough guy, great vision, sees the ball, catches it really well, does everything they ask, exactly why they drafted him in the third round over some guys who are still available. Um, So he fits right into what they want to do. Big, tough, big enough, tough enough, does everything well. I think he'll fit in if we have to use him. The great thing is, like I said, that's a really deep room now that at times last year was really, really thin.
1: Is this a thing where – with three preseason games and all the starters back, and there's really being a more veteran team, even your young guys now, Devin White's in his third year as a starter, same with Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean. So is, is this a situation where the Bucs just don't play a lot of their starters and then only having three preseason games instead of four, do, do they just want to play the Anthony Nelsons, the Joe Tryons, the Kyle Trasks, the, the Keyshawn Vaughns a lot? to help them, the Tyler Johnson, to help them develop?
0: It'll be interesting to see. I mean, every every year it's different. My dad's big on the third game. And the starters play the first half, maybe the first series coming out. Nobody plays in the first game. That's a, guy, that's, that's a bunch of guys you're going to cut. Usually you just have to play it. So is the third game the third game, or is the second game the third game? Right. Does the first game matter at all, right? I, Tom likes to play preseason games. Tom likes to go get his feet wet, get moving, get the excitement of it the staff likes to get guys out there for a little bit, but you have a bunch of young guys you want to develop. So it depends on how many OTAs they end up getting, if they get all these guys in and they have mini camps and OTAs where they feel of, I think it depends on how OTAs go really before you get to training camp, how's training camp gone, how are your live reps gone? And do we need to, what do we need to see by the time we get to preseason games? I think it'll depend position by position and guy by guy, how much they play and how much they need to see from them. Mm -hmm. Those big time guys, they
2: don't need to say anything. They know know what they're getting. Right. Jake, um, you know, the Buccaneers didn't – um well, actually, they did. They took an offensive lineman in this. And, you know, offensive linemen are so important, mainly for protection. And, Jake, Buccaneer fans out there need to know where they can go for protection. They need to be able to call Briar Reeves Insurance Agency. They're the best. They've been in business for over 30 years in the Tampa Bay area. Briar Reeves, they're huge Buccaneer fans, Jake. They do homeowners. They do auto. They do life. They do commercial. There's no insurance that anybody listening out here doesn't need some type of insurance that Briar Greaves can provide for him briarreevesinsurance.com or you can call them 813-876-4166 876-4166 we need you to give Briar Greaves a call and get a quote Scott is a customer I'm a customer we're gonna make Jake a customer one of these days if he ever moves down here to Florida um but uh, but anyway, uh, Brad Reeves, they're they're really good uh good people, Jake, and uh, big Buccaneer fans, big fans of your dad. They show up at all of our events, um, and they sponsor this podcast. So I think it's important for people who are listening to support the people that support us. Hurricane season is right around the corner. That's right. They're calling for an above average number of named storms and major hurricanes this year. Make sure you're protected takes 10 minutes to give Briar Greaves a call. Call Sam. Call Briar. Just read over what you have currently on your homeowner's policy. Jake, if I told you I could save you $500 a year, would you be happy? I'd damn sure be interested. I'd be happy, yes. (laughs) Exactly. We could do a lot of things with 500 dollars Give Briar Greaves a call. See if they can save you some money. They might be able to save you a little less. They might be able to save you a little bit more. Briar Greaves saved an inch uh, saved a customer 15000 dollars on a commercial auto policy because he had a fleet of vehicles. That's the kind of money sometimes just 15 minutes can save you. Not trying to steal that from Geico. I'm just talking Briar Greaves. 813 876 4166 briargreavescom Big pewter report sponsor. Jake. We're going to talk a little bit about the the, the, the fundraiser that you had now um, before we wrap up here. You guys did a tremendous job raising money um, for, for CASA, something that your dad and your mother are very involved in. You yourself are on the board of directors of that as well. Um, talk a little bit about the record amount of money that you guys were able to raise <laughs> and how you guys are going to be able to use that money. And and, and let me just say this, uh, Scott and I and Matt and, and Taylor want to thank you for inviting us to that. We had a wonderful time. Uh, we awesome. didn't, we didn't, we didn't do any of those $10,000 bids. No, uh, <laughs> Scott, Scott wouldn't give me the company credit card. So we didn't get any That's Tom Brady signed jerseys. But uh, hold on. But, but I, I did yes. get a
1: couple of autographed jerseys. I got an autographed Warren Sapp Jersey. Nice. And, uh, and then I also got, actually my wife surprised me for my birthday. My birthday was uh, the 23rd of April. And, uh, and I thought that I had lost the bid for the autographed Victor Headman jersey that's framed up here in my office. So, yes. um, and, and she's surprised. I, I was bummed out. I'm like, ah, I only won the Warren Sapp jersey, you know? <laughs> and uh, and then she's like, oh, darn, you know? But I didn't realize that so she put her name as the contact rather than mine.
0: Yeah, so, Charity Benefits Unlimited does a phenomenal job they with the do. silent, silent yeah. auction stuff. That's yes. not even getting into how the live auction. But let's talk about the
1: live auction. auction. Holy smokes, you had Jason Pierre-Paul, and Up Bids, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski. That was, those three guys alone were driving a lot of this. This uh, fundraising
0: effort. Yeah, I mean, we, we put that together in five weeks between the COVID and winning the Super Bowl. And can we get it done? And, and, and Ennis Brooks stepped up big time, wanted us mm-hmm. there. Buccaneers were phenomenal in their support. Uh, Matt Rogers, who's our MC that you guys got to watch yeah. live, is now the in game announcer for the Tennessee Titans. Bucks fans wow. actually helped get that done voting. Yeah. Thank you guys. He's, he's family He's the best. The energy he brings. And then when you have a guy like JPP that jumps up in the first thing, I mean, my dad got these two really cool pairs of Jordans. He's right. not going to wear high-top Jordans. I was like, what are you going to do with these? He's like, nothing. Yeah. I'm going to take them and get the guys to sign the box. Yeah. How many, how many people own a Tom Brady, Bruce Arians, Rob Gronkowski-signed Jordan box? And then right. you get the wear of the Jordans. I think right. there were the 6s and, and the 12s that just dropped. And JPP throws his hand up says $5,000 to get the thing started for two pairs of Jordans. <laughs> my, my buddy, Jay, he's going at it with, with JPP. That started off the night and just blew the doors off. So I think we were 300000 in the live auction stuff. Wow. I mean, by the time we get going – uh, eco cleared new sponsor was right in front of us. He grabs me and says, Hey, I got, I got a box of 20. We'll do alcohol, food, everything, throw it in there, auction it off. It looks like goes, a luxury. suite. Of and then JPP throws his hand up and says, I'll donate my personal box to a game. Yeah. And, it, and we, we double that. And it was just unbelievable. It ran, uh, probably 45 minutes longer because guys, people just kept <laughs> throwing stuff in the, the energy from the crowd was amazing. Our first time to do one in Tampa, all the new people that came out were amazing. We had people from all over the country that have been to our events that followed us for years anyway, mm-hmm. but all the new people were amazing. Like I said, the Buccaneers were amazing. And we, I think we're close to 800,000. I still have the final numbers, but we're That's almost double. Most of you've ever netted wow. was like 480 in Arizona one year. So to be close to 800,000 over 750 is absolutely spectacular. I mean, winning the Super Bowl helps having, having Tom and Gronk in the house help. But, yeah. uh, I mean, the people that were there were, were amazing, and I hope it's not just like, uh, the perfect storm. I hope we can do it again next year after we win another Super Bowl and get over a million.
2: Uh, we'll see if we can pull that off. Well, Jake, we're going to help you get to that million dollars because I have something we're going to autograph. This is autographed by your dad. Ooh. This is a Bear Bryant Coke football. Now, we bought him, uh, well, I got a couple of these and I had him uh, autograph this one for us last year. And uh, okay, we're probably not going to get you $200,000 for it, but we're going to offer it up to our Pewter Report listeners right now. For the next three days, we're going to open it up. All they have to do is they have to uh, give their high bid of what they would bid for this. Again, it's signed BA. It's a Bear Bryant because your dad coached with Bear Bryant, which is fascinating to hear those stories. It's his coaching idol.
1: It's his coaching yeah. idol. I mean, yeah. So,
2: we'll so we have. got one. Your dad has one in his office, but we've got this one here, the autograph for us to auction off for the family foundation. So, what people have to do is just go to Twitter, give their bid, and they're going to use hashtag pewter report pod pewter report pod and that way i'll be able to keep track of them we're going to open it up for the next three days and the winner will then get uh we'll get in contact with them they can mail me the check and uh and i'll forward it over to the foundation so we're going to do that again we're not getting two hundred thousand dollars but if we get a couple hundred bucks for it that'll be pretty cool yeah. uh and
1: yeah, this is a limited edition Coca-Cola pla- Coca-Cola bottle, right? I mean, we're yeah, talking Yeah,
2: this this came out in uh, I believe 1980. It was right after Bear Bryant retired, the winningest football coach 82. in college football history. And yep. uh, and it's uh it's got his milestones on the back here and your dad's mm-hmm. uh, BA signature on the front. That'll look really good in your man cave, folks. So, make sure to bid that's again. That's a rare
1: uh, collectible too. That's pretty yes, that's
2: pretty is. awesome. PR I mean, sorry, pewter report pod. Pewter report pod Hashtag that uh, with your high bid. And, uh, and in three days, uh, we'll, we'll announce the winner uh, next Monday on the podcast, who the winner of that is. But, but again, now, now what this is, you, you raise $800,000. How does this money help? How does this money help kids in the Tampa Bay community, in the Arizona community, places that you guys have been, that your mother has been involved in, you've been involved in, your dad's been involved in? Talk a little bit about CASA and, and the importance of that, Jake.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the majority of all of this will go in Hillsborough and uh, in Pinellas counties, right there in Tampa area, to the GAL, the Guardian Alitem Program, and CASA, which is court appointed special advocates. Uh, it, it'll go to Pittsburgh and Indianapolis and some areas, Arizona as well, but the majority of it will stay right there that we raised right there. My mom was a CASA for, let's see, seven, 16, 17 years before we started the foundation after being, a, she called herself a broken family attorney. And her, her entire mm-hmm. life has been about saving kids. She wanted to save one at a time. My dad got the job in Arizona. The platform got bigger mm-hmm. and we decided that we were to start a foundation basically in her honor. Uh, the family foundation, the Arians family legacy is a hell of a lot bigger than winning football games. And that includes the Super Bowl. Saving a kid's life, in my opinion, is a hell of a lot bigger than any Super Bowl you're ever going to win. Uh, and we feel like we've done that and we want to help as many kids get a CASA in their life as as many as possible. Now, uh, the kids that are in these situations. I like to say all the time we talk about this. They're never their fault, Mark. Right. I mean, these I'm blessed as hell to have the family and the parents that I have. These kids aren't in that situation. They're in situations that aren't their fault. We want to do everything we can to help. What a CASA does is they have access to parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, teachers, principals, and they advocate on, on what's best for that kid in court. And that's being taken out of the home. Is that being with a family member? Is that going in the foster care system? Whatever it is, uh, the kids that have a CASA have a chance. The ones that don't are really up against it. And the list is, is tremendously in the wrong way. There's enough CASAs for a certain amount of kids. And it's maybe 10, yeah. 20%, not, we don't have enough. So whether you can donate money or not, you can learn about what CASA is. You can talk about it in situations. You can spread the word. You can maybe be interested enough to become a CASA or a GAL yourself and help save a kid's life. And that's what, that's what all this is about.
2: And and, and I've mentioned this to you and, and I was talking to your mom at the event um, and even at James's event the year before, um, you know, my son is adopted through the foster care, and he had a guardian ad litem. Um, uh, the, his, his name was Matt, and uh, I didn't understand what that even meant at first, but as we were going through the process of adopting through the foster care, uh, we were able to see the benefit and how much it meant for our son to have somebody that was his advocate. He was one of those fortunate to have a guardian ad litem. And uh, I mentioned that to your mom. And uh, she says, well, why don't you get involved? I think you would make a good one. And I jokingly said, sure, that's no problem, Miss Arians. Um, the Monday after the event, I got a uh, email immediately from the guardian ad litem program. Uh, Christine said that you were interested, Mark, in becoming a guardian <laughs> ad litem. So I'm in the process now of learning more about it. Christine uh, Arian's working in the room. I love it. She, oh, your mom does not play games, man. Immediately <laughs> uh, they were in touch. And, and really though, if, if you're, again, it, it's, it's a few hours out of the month, right? It's not a full-time job or mm-hmm. anything like that, but um, it's really good for people who are retired. Uh, people who... You know are you know don't have kids anymore that that miss that interaction with 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 kids and things like that, so uh it's definitely something I'm exploring and and getting involved in, and I would certainly encourage people you can encourage you can send money to the family foundation you can go to their website uh there's a playthrough you can donate money uh but more importantly. Maybe even donate your time. Maybe even consider becoming a guardian ad litem. Because as Jake said, if only 20% of the foster kids in Hillsborough and Pinellas County have them, that's a shame, man, because it's a really, really important program. So hope people will get involved. If people have any questions about adopting through foster care, uh, they can always reach me as well, marketpudereport.com. People say, Jake, all the time, man, it costs $100,000 to go uh, adopt a kid from overseas. There's thousands of them in our local community thousands of kids eligible to be adopted. And it doesn't cost a single penny when we do it through the foster care system. And my son's education is paid for. I mean, it's a great deal. I get a kid and I don't have to worry about a college fund. It's already taken care of. So anyway, that's yeah, all I'm going like to say about that. But,
0: but I want to I like appreciate I mean, my mom is, uh, do you think my dad's passionate yelling at attorneys? Get my mom talking about saving a kid's <laughs> life. It's, uh, no, it's, no it's I really,
2: rivalry there. I really enjoyed they, my time talking with her about that for sure. She's, uh, she's, she does a tremendous job.
1: Jake, we've got a couple more football questions to get to uh, sure. before we let you go. Um, but uh, we, we want to take this time to talk about Playbook Products, playbookproducts.com. They've got the most interesting Buccaneer collectibles and not just Buccaneers. They've got stuff for all sorts of, of teams, NFL, Major League Baseball, hockey. Uh, so if you're looking for something for Father's Day, which believe it or not, we just had Mother's Day. Father's Day is coming up next, next month. Make sure to go to playbookproducts.com. The Playbook Products folks sent me the pick six to seal it. This is the Rondé Barber pick six from the 2002 championship game. They also have, and I got the matching coaster set also, which is really cool. These are quality coasters, leather coasters. They also have Scotty Miller's touchdown from the Green Bay game. So you can get something old or something current for for the Buccaneer fan in your life and go to playbookproducts.com to place your order and get that in time for Father's Day. So, Jake. Speaking of of your dad, your father, I know I know that you're a bit biased. It might be the last name Arians, but here's here's a tough question for you. Maybe it's a little loaded. Maybe it's it's tough. But is your dad a Hall of Fame coach at this at this juncture? There's been a lot of coaches that have won one Super Bowl and that haven't gotten in. People have asked me, is John Gruden, who won the, the Super Bowl with with the Buccaneers in 2002, a Hall of Fame coach? And my response is not yet. I, I think that. The Super Bowl is a collective team event. It obviously takes the right captain of the ship. But your dad has a very interesting uh, resume in in the fact that he has won the uh, the NFL Head Coach of the Year Award twice in two different locations, now won a Super Bowl. He's won Super Bowls as a coordinator and a position coach in, in Pittsburgh. What say you, Jake Arians?
0: Not yet. This, this year will be interesting to see how it pans out. He wins another one. I think he's absolutely in there, but Tom Flores won too and had to wait for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I think you also have to throw in the the contributing things of, uh, of being one of the the forefront guys of hiring minorities on the staff. Mm -hmm. First guy to ever have have two black coordinators in Arizona. First ever have three and a black assistant head coach in Arizona and in Tampa and then hiring the first woman to ever be in the NFL and Jen Welter having two permanent uh, women on the staff in Arizona and in Tampa I think that matters, right? Yeah. It, you're talking it's about what you've done for the game of football, right? It's not I just mean, the wins. Yeah. He didn't get it early enough to be up in the the wins. If he can mm-hmm. get to 100 and he wins another one, yeah, I think he's absolutely in. If he gets to 100 and he doesn't, but he's close, I, it'll probably have to wait for a while. I don't think he's quite there yet, but the resume is now pretty close. I mean, the, the only person to ever win the interim head coach to win, you know, NFL Coach of the Year, right? To win it again in Arizona um you know the, the resume is pretty strong i don't think it's quite there yet but yep. I'm, I'm i'm biased but i'm not as bad as people think i'm damn sure i right. as not as bad as people <laughs> think on Twitter. yeah um john so, gruden is not i will answer that one yeah, john gruden is yeah. way less than 500 since he left the tampa yep. bay buccaneers as his own head coach i love john he's a good dude yep uh, he needs this he needs to pick it up I mean, yeah it's, it's not been pretty since he won the super bowl yeah i totally
1: agree um, when it comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the 2021 version, who is the biggest threat in the NFC? We saw, I think, the changing of the guard in the NFC South. I think the Bucs win the division this year. I think that, that that game in New Orleans was a sign of things to come for this Bucks saints uh, series. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucs sweep the Saints this year, at least split with them. It's, I, think, I think their reign is over so if, is there a team in the NFC South that you think can contend with the Buccaneers or is it, is it the 49ers? Is it, is it Green Bay with Rogers? Uh, what, what, what say you about, about who might challenge uh, the, the Buccaneers the best in 2021?
0: I like what Carolina's building, but they're a few years away from that. They yeah, know that they they're building into that direction, but I like the young nucleus they've put together there. Atlanta first year head coach, Arthur Smith, They've got a bunch of defensive issues. I, I mean, we might beat them forty to thirty-three because of, that yeah. offense is going to be able to put up some points with Kyle Pitts, it's mean, a hell right. of a draft pick. Whether they move Julio or not, they're, they're going to be tough to beat offensively. Uh, but I think we should win the division. We talk about if Aaron Rodgers is in Green Bay, they're a threat. They were right yeah. there. Uh, if Aaron Rodgers is in San Francisco, mm-hmm. I'm nervous because that team, healthy with the pass rushers they have, they could be a serious threat. Now I don't yeah. know that that's going to happen. San Francisco with Jimmy G. I don't feel like they have the firepower to keep up with the, what we're going to be able to do offensively, as good as our defense is. If Aaron Rodgers ends up there, though, <laughs> that firepower changes a little bit. And they, yeah, but they got to stay healthy. They've been beat up with injuries. That, you know, last year was was brutal, but they still won what seven games. But yep. they got to come out. NFC West is ridiculous. I think the Rams with Matt Stafford are significantly better. Mm-hmm. Than they were with Jared Goff. But Matt Stafford doesn't get anywhere near the credit he deserves. Matt. <laughs> I'd say it's like they Ford bought a Ferrari and put it in the garage for 10 years. It's kind of like Matt Stafford <laughs> being in, in Detroit. Like You never, you never yeah. really got to see that thing unleashed. Uh, I think you're going to see that with Sean McVay. I love Cam Akers. I like, their defense isn't going to be as good, but they're going to be really solid. I think we're the favorites. I think it's the, the, either way, I, Kansas City, whoever you want to throw in there when you're talking yeah. about the AFC, I think it's, it's healthy and getting hot at the right time again. I think we right. get healthy going into the playoffs regardless, regardless of seeding. I'd love to see us have home field advantage and get some home playoff games for the fans oh, that can yeah. get to, go to the Super Bowl yeah. and get didn't get to those last couple you know getting in right. that run would just be awesome. Uh, but I don't think it really matters. I mean, this team proof they can go on the road and win. Uh, I think it's mad the main thing is getting healthy when playoff time rolls around. Right.
1: When you look at at uh, there's been some chatter that it might be the Bills coming to Tampa to open up the 2021 20, yeah. season. Your thoughts on that and is is that a potential Super Bowl matchup, you know, 20 some games from uh, from the from the season opener,
0: I think it damn sure could be. You're talking a really good roster. Josh Allen with a phenomenal year last year. Stephon Diggs in his first year. In that offense was spectacular. Mm-hmm. They've added some nice pieces. Uh, I mean, I I would prefer Dallas or somebody or somebody else coming to yeah. Chicago coming to town for that opener right. than the Bills. You know, first game doesn't is not going to define the season, but that's a tough opening game. Um, they could damn sure be there in the end. I mean, they Kansas City got them pretty good in the AFC Championship game, but I think the Bills have gotten better. And I'm not a big fan. I mean, Kansas City on paper in this offensive line thing that they've shuffled it up and added is okay, but we could yeah. easily make an argument that offensive line is not much better than it was going to the Super Bowl last year.
1: Yeah. Well, Jake, we, it, listen, time flies when you're having fun. You are a wealth of knowledge and uh, and great opinion and insight and, and a great blend of, of that. We thank you for sharing your time with our audience tonight. Uh, again, if you want to to find out more information uh, about the Arians Family Foundation, check out their website. That has ways that you can give your time, your money, and uh, and, and the things that that uh, they support. The Casa Foundation here in the in the Tampa Bay area, and it's not just the Tampa Bay area. There there are Casa foundations across the country, right? So uh, even even though th- this this money goes here locally because that that's where you your, your the uh, foundation resides right now, with your dad being in Tampa. Uh, there are ways for people to get involved in, in CASA in their own communities.
0: Absolutely. Every, damn near every city in the country has a guardian ad litem program or a CASA program, usually through the state, but wherever you are, you can get information through your state to find that out. AriansFamilyFoundation.com, of course, for everything that we support and that we have going on. That's awesome. Yep.
2: I was Jake. just going to say, Jake, yeah, that- uh, the the, the, uh, the Bucks will go 20-0 and 0 next year. I'm just uh, going to go ahead and go on record right now and say they're not going to lose. Uh, they'll win the divisional, the NFC championship game, and then they will win a Super Bowl in SoFi stadium. So you guys heard it here first. I mean, I am the savant. I did predict the Buccaneers drafting Kyle Trask in the second round back in, you know, January. So people should probably go to Vegas with that. It's tough to win. It. I don't even want to know
0: how bad I'm going to be yeah. by the time we get to SoFi if they're 19 and 8 it, at
2: that point. It's, <laughs> it's so tough. It's so tough to, uh, it's so tough to repeat, Jake. Uh, you know, teams just look, I, I, I brought this up a while back. Tom Brady, as great as he was in New England, he repeated just one time. I mean, he won back-to-back yeah. Super Bowl just one time. On yeah. 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 It's the yeah. Last time anybody's done, what, o three
0: o four 3 The NFL, you're just not that deep. And that's the biggest yeah. thing I talk about this offseason. Yeah, we returned all those starters, but look at all the backups we brought back. Key right. pieces that know the offense, know the defense, know the system. Uh, that's just vital to be able to yeah. get through you losing a guy for four or five weeks. it's, it's uh, Being deep in the NFL, you saw San Francisco couldn't overcome it last year. I mean, teams are that getting right. too many injuries. You can't do it, and uh, yeah. that'll be the key to next season. Exactly. Yep.
1: Jake Arians, appreciate your time, and we appreciate you out there at Pewter Nation tuning into another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. We'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock. So for now, for Mark Cook, for Jake Arians, I'm Scott Reynolds saying we'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out.